Support for this broadcast of Two Rivers 30 Minutes comes in part from a grant from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. From TubeCityOnline.com, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a weekly series of interviews with people making news around the McKeesport area. Produced by Tube City Community Media Incorporated, a nonprofit corporation. I'm Jason Toger, the executive director. On this show, we talk one-on-one with elected officials, community leaders, and others who are trying to make a difference in the Monyoc area. And we also take your questions and comments on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. You know, you, you start to realize that you're getting older when the songs that you remember hearing on the radio as a kid are now on the oldie stations. And when I heard that Century 3 Mall was was uh, picked as a possible historic preservation site, and I can remember when Century 3 Mall opened, I said, boy, I must really be getting old. Why is Century 3 Mall a possible historical preservation site? And what are some of the other historical preservation opportunities in the Pittsburgh area? On the line with us this morning is Matthew Craig. He is the executive director of the Young Preservationists Association of Pittsburgh. Good morning, Matthew. Good morning to you, sir. And we're actually continuing a conversation that we had on Tube City Almanac uh, that was focused mostly on McKee Sport, but Young Preservationists Association, their remit goes much further than that. You created quite a furor with the uh, list that you released of your top 10, and one of them was the uh, closed Century 3 Mall in West Mifflin. Uh, you, you told me off the air it was like you released an album and didn't know which song was going to be the single. That's exactly my, my line. I, I had no notion when we put Century 3 on the list that that was actually going to be the one that would connect. But I think that your statement earlier about having so many personal memories and because of the size of Century 3, its location, it does seem to have intersected with so many people's lives that they have such a visceral experience of having been in there that a lot of our other places that we are trying to promote, people don't have that same personal connection. So it was actually kind of a learning experience for me as the executive director here for Young Preservationists on how to, in a sense, market the work that we're trying to do. And the more the place has a personal connection, because, you know, a lot of the work that we do, and and I know you'll relate to this, there's a a level of education uh, initiation that has to come. People see this old blighted building, they go, my goodness, what an eyesore. Someone should get rid of that. And then you say, well, wait, did you know that so-and-so lived there? Or it was designed by such and such an architect. Then they go, oh, well, then we should say that. Well, so, the, well, so, the, let's, so let's 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 pause you for a second. I apologize for interrupting. Matthew Craig is our, our guest this morning. What is the significance then of Century Three Mall? Usually, when we think of a historic building, we think of uh, the Cathedral of Learning at the University of Pittsburgh, or we think of the U.S. Capitol, or Monticello, or Mount Vernon, or something. The, the Parthenon, uh, Century Three Mall. Like I said, I can remember when it opened. What, what were some of the historical significances of this this re- big regional mall located in West Mifflin? Well, what's interesting about it is that our putting it on the list was meant to spark a conversation about places like Century 3 Mall, because there can be some very, very eloquent people can describe why it's not historic. But it really is a snapshot of a particular time. You know, that the architecture is called a brutalism. 
because of its its structure. Uh, the interior is particularly very interesting, the way the walkways intersect and all the different architectural elements on how the building was designed for the... And that was always the nice part about going there is that it was an interesting space to move around within. And I think that that's what people have the most fond memories of. But our interest is starting a conversation about what do you do with old malls? And you figured that that mall was built on a slag heap. Some people don't remember even the, the history of the steel making. Well, I was going to ask you about that. If you could, if, I'm sorry, apologize for interrupting, but th- that to me was even more historically interesting. This was a joint project of U.S. Steel and the DeBartolo Corporation out of Youngstown. I, one of the things I remember from when that mall was opening was that the San Francisco 49ers were very successful at the time. And because Edward DeBartolo also owned the San Francisco 49ers at the time, the mall was always decorated, even though it's in Steeler country, deep in the heart of Steeler country, was always decorated for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so there are some interesting historical aspects that in my parents' generation, in my grandparents' generation, that was um, Lover's Lane because that was where you went to park and walk Watch them dumping, <laughs> dumping the hot metal and the hot slag there. So it was. A, tell, tell us what a slag dump is. People don't even know what a slag dump is. Yes, yeah, so it's the, the the refuse of the steel making process. You know, they had to dump that stuff somewhere, and it all got dumped there. And to turn that into this vibrant connector to the community, the Mon Valley and Pittsburgh and all the, the places in between that people would come to it. So it, it turned this place that was useless and a waste dump into a really vibrant contributor to the community. And that's the part that's really interesting to me. It's like, okay, well, now what could it be? It's not hard to envision uh, a really very interesting uh, apartment complex where you have these apartments in there and you have this interior space that could also have servicing retail shops like a grocery store or a, a cafe. You know, you could create this little indoor town that I think could be uh, very intriguing. But so our idea was not that it should be this or it should be that. But our idea is it could become something. And let's have a conversation about that rather than just leveling it and and creating another strip mall or another big box store. You've got this thing. It has an interesting history. Let's have a conversation about what it could be. We're going to get into a more of a conversation about what the Young Preservationists Association of of Pittsburgh does uh, in a moment. But I want to do want to continue this thought about the, the historical nature now of shopping malls. Uh, but Matthew, can you give us your, your website address where people can get more information and also Facebook, Twitter, social media, that kind of thing? Yeah, I'm, I'm pleased to share the new uh, website. It's Young Preservationists, that's plural, youngpreservationists.org. We just had it uh, redesigned by uh, Thrive Creative, They're a, a wonderful group in Pittsburgh. So um, very pleased to show that. And this video that we're talking about, so we, we produced uh, in-house, we produced a video for our top 10, 21. It was a way to promote our top 10 list that we do every year since our founding. But we we're not able to have in-person meetings because of our concerns over COVID and, and, uh, and keeping people healthy. And, and so having created this video, that's actually been a, a, a great amplifier of this list because it's gotten a lot of, uh, really a lot of attention over the last uh, 
a few days because of the inclusion of Century 3 Mall on our list. And so now people have an opportunity to watch what we said about it, not being interpreted through another channel or another uh, you know, another person's perspective. So, uh, so that video is on our website. Uh, we also have uh, Facebook and Instagram. Before we move on, let's finish our conversation. Uh, we have a break coming up uh, about Century 3 Mall. You know, this problem of uh, abandoned or mostly abandoned or mostly empty shopping malls is a national problem in the United States and, and to some degree in Canada as well. We saw on the north side of Pittsburgh, for instance, Allegheny Center Mall has been reinvented as offices and residences. Um, your your suggestion is that putting Century 3 Mall on the list is not, I, I guess, a sign that the Young Preservationists wants to take over Century 3 Mall, but it was intended to to spark some local conversation and get some some juices, creative juices flowing. That's exactly right. So our organization, if I can speak very broadly, we try to help fix the historic things that are broken. And we do get involved sometimes more with some projects than other projects. But generally, it's just about trying to recognize the assets that we have that we might not be paying, be paying enough attention to. And I think that Century 3 then becomes a, a symbol of that. And I'm always interested in pursuing the projects that have a kind of a, a symbolic impact that their restoration would have a resonance beyond just a block or a or a single building it would be kind of a bridge that would could repair a community with itself and those are the kinds of projects that we try to get involved in i'll tell you honestly every meeting i go to i'm not the most experienced person in those meetings but i know what questions to ask and that's what it's about, is about trying to connect people who should be talking to each other, but they're not, and bringing, bringing them together. And I think that that's one thing that YPA has been very successful at uh, during my tenure. We're talking with Matthew Craig. He's the executive director of the Young Preservationist Association of Pittsburgh. You can find them online on Facebook and Instagram. You can also go to their new website, youngpreservationists.org. When we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about what the mission of YPA is. We're going to talk about the other nine uh, preservation opportunities that is on your list, on your video that was recently released. And then we'll talk about some of the projects that are very local to the Mon Valley here, okay? Sounds great. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes on Radio 81 WEDO, 1550 at 101.1 WZUM, the Pittsburgh Jazz Channel, and Tube City Online Radio. We'll be back in 30 seconds. Support for this broadcast comes from Striffler's Family Funeral Homes. Since 1866, Striffler's has provided compassionate professional memorial services for families in White Oak, McKeesport, Dravosburg, Portview, and the surrounding areas. Striffler's offers comprehensive pre-planned services and aftercare. And through its affiliated company, Design Monuments, Strifflers also provides permanent markers and memorials crafted in stone, bronze, and other high-quality materials. Learn more at strifflers.com or call 412-678-6191. So we talked a little bit about Century 3 Mall uh, being on the top 10 for the Young Preservationists Association in 2021. I, I saw one of the TV stations... Um, I believe their headline was something like uh, preservation group wants to save century three mall. And that's not really, that doesn't really capture what young preservationist association wanted to do. You wanted to start a conversation about why this mall was historically significant and 
what could be done if somebody wanted to save it? Well, I do think that it's not inaccurate to say that we would like to save it. As we mentioned in the video that we produced to accompany the list, we call it our top 10 list of preservation opportunities because, uh, quoting directly from the video, because uh, each of these places we, we call an opportunity because each of them could really be of service to the communities if they're preserved and repurposed. And, and I'll be very clear that you just can't save a place because you like it. Okay, it's not and a sentimental we, thing. And we know a lot of examples in the region about places that have become repurposed yeah. very successfully. And Matthew Craig from the Young Preservationists, you have been a guest on this program before, but it's been a few years. So tell our listeners what when the Young Preservationists Association was founded and what it does in, in the Pittsburgh region. It was founded in the early 2000s by Dan Holland. And his initial inspiration was to engage young people in historic preservation, really as an act of empowerment to get younger folks connected. Because ultimately, as we all shuffle off the stage, there's got to be replacements for the stewardship that needs to happen for this historic fabric that we have created. And there, there needs to be some discernment on what places can be saved what places can be repurposed, and what places have to graciously be allowed to, uh, you know, sink back into the dust. And if I showed you a picture of Pittsburgh or McKeesport or any place, uh, you know, from 100 years ago, and I showed you a picture of them now, you'd say, well, which of these two places would you like to live in? You know, I think you'd take the place with the modern amenities. But we also don't want to lose the, the significant, interesting places that bring specific character to our lives and that could become very uh, welcoming places for uh, children and grandchildren to come. The, 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 two, the two examples that are held up in the city of Pittsburgh, and, and in my mind, they are almost becoming polar opposites in some ways, are Lawrenceville, where you have the, the main street of, of Lawrenceville is very much in the character of what it was 50 or 100 years ago with a bunch of small shops and, and, and buildings, and it's a very vibrant. Um, the other neighborhood of Pittsburgh that has recently been redeveloped, but it's gone in a kind of a very different direction, has been East Liberty, in which a lot of the character of the neighborhood has changed. A lot of the residents of the neighborhood have been, kind of been pushed out. There's a lot of new construction. B both of these things, preservation and new construction, have their value, but... You know, you, you asked which was the place you would rather be. I don't know. I find Lawrenceville a much more, you know, for, for all of the jokes that we make in Pittsburgh about Lawrenceville, I find it a much more interesting place to walk down the street and experience other people. Well, I do think that there are always going to be competing interests at play. And if you think about what do developers do, well, they develop. And they're always looking for new opportunities. And so there needs to be that that middle ground, you know, there's an old saying from the Buddha that with a musical instrument, if you if you pull the string too tight, it'll break. And if it's too loose, it won't sound. But if right in the middle is where the music is. And so I think that there's always going to be that kind of tug of war between these the competing interests. And there are some people in the historic preservation camp they just want to save it because they want to save it because they're used to having it on that, that street corner. And 
It's an anchor that gives them comfort that is always there. And I understand that. But if you can't find any way for that building to earn a living, then it gets to be very challenging. And especially if you leave something to rot and decay for decades, then it gets to be prohibitively expensive to restore. Mm -hmm. So there just has to be that middle space where the music is made, where all the pieces come together, fit, and they make sense. But we also, with that that thought process, we don't want to get to the place where the, those buildings that are important to us are allowed to sit and rot for 20 and 30 years. We're, we're talking this morning with uh, Matthew Craig, Executive Director of the Young Preservationists Association of Pittsburgh. You can find them at youngpreservationists.org. And if you'd like to see the video of the top 10 for 2021, you can go to uh, their Facebook page for Young Preservationists. Let's. I want to go through, before we take our, our next break, the time goes quickly, I, I, I want to go through some of the other uh, things on your Young Preservationist top 10 for 2021. We talked about the, uh, the cut from the album that became the signal which was the 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 century three mall uh discussion but number 10 is not a building uh number 10 uh your preservation opportunity is signage to commemorate local underground railroad sites um the underground railroad of course was the the way that uh slaves uh were 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 saved from the south before the civil war and and brought north uh in some cases to the northern states and other cases up to canada uh that's not a that's not a building that's a bunch of places um are, are people surprised to learn that there are underground railroad sites in, in Pittsburgh? Well, what we put into the video is that <clears throat> often our number 10 is kind of a collective category. And this was spurred from a conversation that I had with a local preservationist about the incomplete historic marking of the places there it, it, many people will know that there there are signs around the community but the idea just to make sure that it is completely done is really what this is about and so i can't completely answer where those places are we're going to be bringing on a historian to help us work through that and it's just to make sure that that history is uh, preserved and and presented in the way that it should be, respectfully, and with an, an eye towards um, making sure that as a country and as a city and, and region that we don't forget that part of our own history, you know, because those things can be forgotten. And if people aren't taught about them, they might never know. So we just want to make sure that what has been done has been done well. We just want to make sure that it's completed. Number nine is uh, the former St. Agnes Church at uh, Carlo University in Pittsburgh. Number eight is a a location in uh, the Mon Valley, not too far from where we tape the program, and that is the former State Bank of Elizabeth, at nineteen built in 1903. Uh, Tell us about the State Bank of Elizabeth and why that's important and interesting. It sits right there in the heart of the business district, right on the corner, and it's such a beautiful building. And it's one of those places that is really not hard to imagine how it could be a significant contributor if it became something else, if it became a restaurant or a uh, a, a shop. But, you know, those buildings that the banks built back in the day, they weren't done on the cheap. So it's a very well-constructed, very handsome building. And uh, Elizabeth has had some challenges over the last decade 
in saving some of its own historic fabric. So it's really just an encouragement to say, this is one of those buildings that you shouldn't let sit for 20 years and not do something about it. It's, you, you've got a gem right there and it can be a real anchor for a, uh, a, a mini revitalization. Cause you know, there's a lot of good things happening in, in Elizabeth. And so we would like to encourage that conversation uh, to continue. I, I would like to say that there is not a single building that we have ever gone into a community and says, this is what you should do. Uh-huh. It's always been about what do you think you should do and how can we help you? Yeah, you can get the entire video, the entire list of buildings uh, at the Young Preservationist's Facebook page. It includes uh, some private homes. One of them uh, with some organized crime history that I think people will find uh, interesting. That's at 1817 Fifth Avenue uh, in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, the Union Station, Union Railroad Station in Brownsville, uh, 500 Donner, the former Manesson Savings and Trust Building uh, in downtown Manesson, and uh, some other buildings in Manesson. Actually, this maybe this be a good phrase for us to take a break and uh, for us to talk about uh, some of the work that Young Preservationists is, is doing in the Mon Valley right now, okay? Thank you. So let's take our next 30-second break and come back for more with Matthew Craig from the Young Preservationists Association of Pittsburgh. Broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport, this is Two Rivers 30 Minutes. We'll be back in 30 seconds to wrap things up. You're listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, a production of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. If you've got an idea for someone who you'd like us to interview or a question or comment, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Tube City Online. Matthew Craig from the Young Preservationist Association has been our guest. We've been talking about their top 10 list for 2021. You've been doing some work in the Mon Valley and, you know, sort of uh, in the interest of full disclosure, I've been involved in, in some of it on the periphery. Uh, one of the buildings you've been working to study whether or not it can be saved is the former Penn McKee Hotel in, in downtown McKeesport. And you, you have some good news or some positive news about progress on that. There is some funding that is going to become available or is available to environmentally remediate that building. Tell us about that. I'm so thankful to have the opportunity to share with your audience that working with DJS Ventures, our our partner, Doug Scowron, we've been able to raise $980,000 to go toward the Penn McKee Hotel to hopefully uh, start it on the process of being restored and repurposed. Uh, That immediately will focus on environmental um, hazards such as asbestos and lead and mold and those kinds of things to to get it cleaned out so that it could then become more welcoming for potential uh, development use. And so I was very hopeful that we could start to share that good news because people are always wondering, well, what's going on? What's going on? And, and some folks have noticed that there are uh, a chain uh, fenced around the around the building and that's good news because work is going to begin soon and we are waiting on a engineer's report to let us know how far we can take it so uh, i would ask uh, patience from everybody and let's see if we can uh, get this to the next step for for those outside of the mon valley area the pen mckee hotel was uh built in the 1920s by uh was designed by architect ben o jansen um was a gathering point for a lot of the mon valley for for many years including uh the very first debate between two congressmen uh richard m nixon and john f kennedy who of course both went on to become presidents uh but back in 1947 they held their first 
debate there. It's also it's strategically located. It's near the uh, it's near a, a large marina. It's near the Great Allegheny Passage bike trail. It's it's right off of a major highway. But the building has been abandoned for for forty some years ever since the the steel industry collapsed. So it, it's got location and it's got some provenance, uh, as we say as they say in the art world. But it, it also has some severe challenges in terms of reusing it. And I think that none of these buildings are in isolation from each other. So we have a couple of buildings in Manesson, we have a building in Elizabeth, and we have been actively working with the uh, the good people at the mayor's office in McKeesport about trying to save the Penn McKee. So I think that there can be a potential renewal for the Mon Valley. And that's really what is at the heart of this work. It's not these places in isolation, but it's these places in concert with these other places. And I think that as we envision how these places can be uh, reborn into the economy of the 21st century, I, I think it's all part of that broader conversation. And this is not to be a pie-in-the-sky ideologue, but it's just to recognize there are a lot of stakeholders who have a significant place in these communities. They have such great pride for where they live, and it's about encouraging and inspiring people to come together, to work together, to start to uh, make this this heavy load lighter. You are doing some work as well in Hazelwood. Am I correct that uh, Young Preservationists has had a role in, in helping preserve some and stabilize some structures in Hazelwood too? Yeah, so thank you for bringing that up. We advocated, uh, it, it took well over a year of talking to the National Trust to have the National Negro Opera Company house put on their 11 most endangered list. And that happened at the end of 2020. And so if you can imagine a place that had been sitting uh, vacant for 20 some years and the conversation locally had really run aground mm -hmm. and people had talked to, talked about to death, nobody wanted to talk about it anymore. So our strategy was to really make this a concern of the national trusts. And that worked. They got involved in the project. And that immediately started a incredible wave of enthusiasm and ultimately brought in $575,000 to stabilize and ultimately to begin restoring the house. Those are the kinds of things, you know, in the nonprofit world, they talk about moving the needle. Uh -huh. yep. That's, that is moving the needle. 980000 for the Penn McKee, that moves the needle. It's not static. It's, it's trending in the right direction. How can people help if they're hearing this and they are in Washington County or, or Pittsburgh or McKeesport or Monroeville? Uh, West Mifflin, wherever, what can they do to, to, to help? What can they do to, to spark these kinds of conversations that you're talking about facilitating? I'd like to ask people to please consider becoming a member of our organization because that just lets us know who our audience is and how we can have a, a conversation with you. We would like to invite people just to reach out and let us know about their concerns, their thoughts, their ideas. And uh, our website is meant to be the, the front page of the organization. And so we would really just encourage folks to go to our website, which is Young Preservationists, plural, youngpreservationists.org. And I'd also like to say that I would hope to not discourage anybody 
by the word young. What we're looking for, <laughs> we're looking for people who are young at heart. And it's about teaching young people to be actively engaged in historic preservation. But uh, we welcome everybody, no matter uh, young and old. If you are interested in contributing, and I'm sure everybody has things that they can contribute, please join us, youngpreservationists.org. All the information is there. And it's, there's a lot of interesting things on the website to keep people uh, actively engaged. And this video we keep referencing is also embedded on the website. Matthew, thank you for taking some time to talk with us about your top 10 preservation opportunities and, and sort of what the goals of historic preservation are. It's not, as you said, to just stick things in amber for sentimental reasons, but to actually reuse them and, and have them have a viable future so that they can create new history, I guess, is the way one way to put it, right? That is. And Jason, thank you so much for what you do because you are also a real asset in the community for these conversations and the work that you tirelessly do. So thank you, sir. And thank you all for listening this week to Two Rivers 30 Minutes. Have a happy new year broadcasting from the Tube City Center for Business and Innovation in downtown McKeesport. So long for now. You've been listening to Two Rivers 30 Minutes, copyright Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Opinions expressed on this program are not those of Tube City Community Media Incorporated. Listener support makes this program possible. If you'd like to make a tax-deductible contribution, please visit our website at tubecityonline.com and click on the donate link. You can also get a free subscription to this program and other podcasts at our website using Apple's iTunes or Stitcher.com. If you've got a question or comment, we hope you'll write to us. Our address is Tube City Community Media Incorporated, P.O. Box 94, McKeesport, PA, 15134. You can email us at TubeCityTiger at gmail.com or call us at area code 412-614-9659. And you can find us on Facebook and Twitter at TubeCityOnline. Online.